Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. been in this series called frame i gotta hurry because i got i told y'all last week i I wasn't lying i'm gonna prove it today i started yet last week telling you that the message was 20 pages long so i cut it in half and i proved this morning in the first service that i actually had that much because i went a long time so uh, maybe because they weren't helping me so much maybe if you'll help me a little bit i won't preach so long See, all right, Tari's got it. All right, so uh, we've been talking about framed. I've made this statement to you. There are a lot of powerful factors in your life that frame you. Your environment can frame you if you'll let it. Society will frame you. Your education can frame you. The region you were born in can frame you. However, one of the most powerful factors, we're going to wrap this, this part of Framed Up this week. I've been talking to you about how you think because your mind has the ability to frame your world. In fact, the, the writer in Proverbs said it like this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it's been our launching pad. It says, be careful what you think because your thoughts Run your life. Your mind can frame your world. And then he comes along in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, and says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So quick review because I want to make sure you're caught up with me. We talked about the first week that we got to be careful about what we allow in our head because our perceptions become our realities. That's why you need somebody in your life that can look at you when you're tired or when you've been successful and say, you know what, don't make a decision right now. Don't make a choice right now because you are perceiving wrong. And if you make decisions right now out of wrong perceptions, you will make mistakes. Okay, so you got to watch your perceptions. We said you got to be careful about what goes in your head because what goes in your head can get in your feet. And the enemy will cause you to run away from things that you're not supposed to run away from. I'm already preaching right now. Some of you have been trying to run away from church for months and, and he's tried to convince you that nobody loves you, nobody cares. That's why you got to be careful about what's in your head. He'll try to get you to run out on your marriage too early. Your kids too early. Your job too early because he tries to convince you that there's this reality going on that's not true and it gets in your feet. I told you that every problem that you're going to come out of, you got to come out of head first. It's how you think. That's why uh, poverty is not a money issue. Poverty is a mindset. That's why you can give a a poor person a million dollars today and one year from now you go, well, there's no way they could spend a million dollars in a year. Oh, yeah, there is. They'll buy like 9,000 cases of Twinkies because nobody can get them anymore. And they'll waste all their million dollars. And it's a mindset. It's how you think. And then last week we talked about how do we frame our minds? How do we do that? And I said to you that we must come to grips with the fact that fixing your mind has to be a daily process. This is not a one time I come to church and then the rest of my life I'll think appropriately and correctly. No, you got, you got to do that every day. Every moment of your life you got to go, Jesus, help my mind. I'm not thinking right. Yeah. So I said every day of your life. Then I said this, fixing our mind will fix our behavior. That's why Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he says, then you won't be as apt to follow the customs and the behaviors of the society you live in. If we would just fix our mind the way that we think, it would fix our behavior. We, y- y'all ain't even helping me. That means I'm going to have to preach an hour this this service too. So, uh, Y'all with me? All right, I'm just just reviewing, just reviewing. All right, got 
fix your mind so your behavior is fixed. All right, third, I told you last week that Scripture declares that the mind is mean. In fact, it says it like this, the carnal mind is, is, is enmity. It's at war with, with Christ. It, it is constantly battling. You, you can't just passively say, well, I'm going to think differently and everything's going to be all right because your mind will battle spiritual thoughts. That's why Paul said you got to take captive. It, this is a hand-to-hand, bloody warfare that you got to involve yourself in on a daily basis where you battle the thoughts that go on in, 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 on, on, in, in, in your head to make them submit and do. See, I just had to do one of those. I had to, buy, you, to do what you want them to do. This is warfare. The mind is mean. And I bring that to your attention again because if you don't believe the mind is mean, when we talk today, because I've told you, I'm going to tell you how you're supposed to think. This is going to be basic children's church materials, but we've forgotten them. We don't live by them anymore. And so then we struggle in our thought life, and we just think, well, just because he's telling us this stuff, it's going to be easy. No, it's not. The devil is going to try to beat you to death in your head. And so we got to learn how to think. So here we go. Here, if, if, if we need to fix how we think, and I'm going to try to teach you what to think, then we've gone through step one, two, and three. What's number four? Here's the, here is the prescription. If we are going to change the way our world is framed by how we think, then hear me. We must become brainwashed. So y'all already nervous. Y'all like expecting me to pull out like nasty tasting Kool-Aid and, and do some freaky stuff. No, that's not the kind of brainwashed. See, if there was ever a generation that had the, that had the need of being brainwashed, it's this generation. Because isn't it true for this generation that, that at every turn there is filth and perversion? At every turn there's, stimul, there, there's visual stimulation because, this, because the enemy knows how to work our minds. There are mind warps everywhere. And so in order to live according to how God wants us to live and in order for us to fix our mind, we got to learn how to wash our brain. And so we're going to get very, very, very basic. How do we wash our brain? Three steps. You need to write these down. I know y'all learned this in kids' church with felt board and stuff, but y'all need to remember this one, all right? Three steps to washing your brain. The first one is this. If you are going to change the way you think, then on a daily basis you have got to learn to think like Jesus. Yeah. That sounds easy, but it's not. We, we, we got to think like Jesus. Let, let me show you how Jesus thinks. Uh, uh, Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 5 and through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's how Jesus thought. Now, before we talk about the specifics of how he thinks, I need to stop right there and clue you in on a really important phrase right there at the beginning of verse 5. He says, let the mind of Christ. Oh, y'all missed it. Let. That is an allowance. That, that means I've got to come to grips with this understanding that I have got to allow the mind of Christ to become my mind. 
That's a choice you have to make. I can't get no help in here. Y'all, you went to sleep on me after. Okay. No. See, some of us have never allowed the mind of Christ to come into our hearts and into our own mind. Therefore, we never submit our mind and lay it down at Jesus' feet and say, let me think like you. Then we wonder why we struggle with our thought life. Because we never allowed that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. You've got to allow him. Okay. All right. So how did Jesus think? Real basic. Jesus thought about three things that I revealed to you out of Philippians chapter 2. Number one, he thought about the kingdom. In fact, I, I remember that in the very first statement that Jesus, would ever, we ever read about Jesus was when Jesus' parents left town without God. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you leave your kids behind. I mean, if my, if my kids have been, they, they, missed, they, they left for three days. Like my kids are quiet for 30 seconds. I'm wondering where they are. They're missing. Jesus must have been a quiet little joker when he was young. But he was gone for three days. They go look for him. He's sitting in the temple. And when they chastise him, why are you doing this to us? He looks at them and says, didn't you know? I have to be about my father's business. I am kingdom minded. In other words, this is going to get tough. We got to think about God's kingdom first. Seek ye first the kingdom. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar. That means I can't be Dale-minded. I know you're going to pick on your tar. Uh, you, you, you can't be farmer's insurance-minded. That means you can't be uh, 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 Amway-minded. I don't know what you're into, what you're into. Uh, you can't be school-minded. You can't be sports-minded. You can't be clothes-minded. You can't be reputation-minded because Jesus didn't care about his reputation, didn't care what people thought. Some of you can't think like Jesus because you're way too concerned about whatever everybody else thinks Jesus was first kingdom minded. did you know Jesus wasn't even community minded oh he thought about the community don't get me wrong he always helped the community but he was first kingdom minded some of you are so other minded that you don't even think about God's kingdom what I'm saying to you is while you're flipping hamburgers at McDonald's you gotta daily be going you know what I gotta think about the kingdom while you're folding laundry I'm thinking about the kingdom how can I bring the kingdom of God to bear in my life how can I kingdom minded we become so consumed with everything else that we never think about God's kingdom anymore and then we wonder why we don't have the mind of Christ because Jesus was always thinking about kingdom always in fact he started when he was 12 when's the last time you thought about God's The, the, the second thing that Jesus always thought about was Jesus always thought about how to serve. It, it says he came to serve, not to be served. He humbled himself to serve others. He wasn't thinking about his way or the highway. He wasn't thinking about his rights. He wasn't thinking about how he could retire comfortably. He wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. He was simply thinking, how can I serve people around me? In fact, if you read the life of Jesus, Jesus was even willing for his agenda and his daytimer to be jacked up because he would be on an, on an, uh, an assignment to go to one place and somebody would come and interrupt him and he would stop and go out of his way and deal with their need and heal them because he was so concerned about serving other people. That's why the son of the living God, the king of all kings, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star could wrap a towel around his waist and get down on his knees and wash some stanky, nasty 
feet of his disciples because he was concerned about serving other people. I am concerned for us that some of us will never be able to win the war in our mind because we never think about anybody else but us. Got to do me. Got to get it right for me. I'm just concerned. I don't care if it hurts you. I don't give a rip. I got to do me. And the only problem with self-centered thoughts is that ultimately they turn into sin-centered thoughts. You ought to write that down. The problem with people that only think about themselves is ultimately at some point in the equation it turns from being self-centered to sin-centered and they consume their own life from the inside out. I am saying to you that if you are going to think like Christ, then you got to get your mind off of you and get your mind on somebody else and serve somebody. I'm preaching and meant to be teaching. The third one is not fun. Jesus not only thought about the kingdom and not only thought about service, he thought about death. Boy, now that's pretty morbid, Pastor. You want us to go around thinking about death all the time? That's a killjoy. What's wrong with No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Jesus thought about the end. Man, this would frame our world differently if we would learn to think about the end result. If we would keep the end in mind. This generation, none of us want to think long term. We need a drive through at a convenience store because we're too we got to have instant gratification. I want instant everything. I want instant coffee. I would want instant oatmeal if I actually thought oatmeal was edible. I would want, I want instant, I want instant everything. Even grits. I, I, no, no, don't even, don't, no. Are you, no. Southerners, y'all. See, See, your region will frame your mind into believing truth that is a lie. Same, same, same boat y'all think? Y'all, y'all probably think collards are good too. We need to have deliverance service. I haven't called deliverance. What I'm saying is that Jesus constantly kept the end in mind. That would stop us from going out and doing stupid stuff. That would keep you from pulling the credit, running up bills you know you can't pay, that your kids or your grandchildren are going to have to pay. If we would live with the end in mind and understand and stop and think, there are long-term implications and there are long-term ramifications of the decisions and the choices I'm making right now. It would keep you from being stupid. Jesus always thought with the end in mind. How will this impact the future? How will this dictate what's going to happen? I think some of us just need to stop and think. What I'm watching right now, what's it going to do long term? Where I'm going right now, what's it going to do? Y'all got quiet on me. That's all right. So the first step in framing our mind, changing our mind, you got to think like Jesus. You got to think about his kingdom. You've got to think about serving others, and you've got to think about death. There's a second step, though, because this is a process. This is not easy. You've got to take on the mind of Christ. But the second thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to think about the right things. It's going to sound like a really old holiness church here for just a moment. All right? Y'all just hang with me. The right things. I love Paul. Paul must have realized that sometimes we're going to be kind of thick-skulled, so he kind of makes it really blunt. 
He would just lay it out there like it was. And I love that about him. He says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers. Y'all know where I'm going. Y'all are scared, ain't you? Finally, brothers, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we're going to think the right thoughts, then you've got to think about the right things. How many of you know, we'll say this to kids all the time, we just, we don't, we just don't live it as adults. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, it works for the five-year-old. I want to tell you it works for the 55-year-old too. If we would ever learn to think about the right things, if we would ever judge what we think about according to this passage of Scripture, was it right? Was it true? Was it lovely? Was it admirable? That, that, that would dictate what you listen to. That would dictate what movies you can... Oh, it wasn't bad. It only had a little bit of... Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't do that stuff. No, but you pay, pay eight bucks to watch them do it. Uh, it, would, it would change where you go. It would change how you talk. It would change who you hang out with. I, I recognize that sounds like old school Pentecostal, but I just realized something. They had it right. They didn't have everything right. I don't want to go back to all the legalism. Don't get me wrong. But I want to tell you, I didn't hear a whole lot of reports about those old timers being addicted to pornography and having anger issues and having lust issues because they weren't feeding their minds on that stuff. And I know it. Listen, just because it's more readily accessible doesn't mean it's permissible. Oh, shoot. Yeah. We need to become aware that the enemy will try to get us to think about the wrong stuff. I know, let, let me help you this morning. I know you think the devil's just a good old guy, but I got news for you. He wants to destroy your life. He does it by getting us to think wrongly. I can take you back to the Garden of Eden and show you, and then I can bring it modern day and show you. He, he tries to get us to think about the wrong things. He, does, he, he, he works on our mind four ways, four steps. The first thing he does is he suggests. Well, aren't you hungry? That, that, that tree looks pretty good, Eve. Then the second step is once he makes the suggestion, it's just a brief thought, uh, just a fleeting thought of something wrong. Then he openly con contradicts the word of God. It won't kill you. God told you it'll kill you. You're, he was mistaken. Then imagination gets in the mix. I'm trying to help you here. He suggests, he contradicts, and then imagination takes over. And if we don't step in at the point of imagination and take every imagination, that, uh, yeah. Okay, if we don't step in right there, the final result is action. And once you do the action, it becomes a stronghold. Let me bring it modern day. Man, she's cute. Whew. Well, she can wear those jeans. I know I'm married, but it's just a thought, just fleeting. Then the contradiction comes. Oh, you, you, you didn't really love your wife when you got married. Y'all got married way too young. And so it probably, she's probably done this too. So it's going to be okay. And then imagination gets involved. I don't even need to go there. You know what kind of imaginations get involved. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, actions. We go to lunch together, and that's how he works. He gets us to think the wrong thing. Oh, I just helped somebody. I just hopefully saved your marriage. I hope I saved you from stupidity. Come on, you got to think about the right things. If you're not winning the battle of your mind, what are you feeding your mind? So you got to think like Jesus. You got to think about the right things. Now here comes the hard one. 
there's a third step in this process that we don't like anymore because it requires work and that is this if you're going to frame your mind differently not only do you have to think like Jesus think different thoughts think about the right things you must wash your mind with the word I got some really bad news for this generation you don't wash your brain you don't wash your mind with worship I had not found one passage of scripture where it tells us that worship washes our mind oh I understand it fits in the category of thinking on pure and holy things and it's good for you but listen to me that doesn't do what the word does we don't wash our minds with praise Oh, should we praise? Absolutely. But there is only one thing, only one prescription that, the, that, that our Lord gave was to wash in the water of His Word. The, the Bible, in fact, tells on itself. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this about itself. For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, as it judges the thoughts and purposes of the heart if you are not washing yourself in the word on a daily basis you don't even know how to judge your own thoughts because there's no standard there and society will come in and try to convince you that abortion is okay and that same-sex marriage is okay and that this is okay and that this is okay and that you'll go you know what you're right I don't have any standard to judge against that that's because you don't know the word if you knew the boy I'm preaching in a if you knew the word, that's why, that's why it's so important for you to be a part of a church that teaches the word and not pop psychology. That's why you need to hear the word from the pulpit and not newspaper clippings. That's why you need to know God's word and understand that his word washes our mind. That's why David said it like this in Psalm chapter 119, verses 9 through 11. He says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your praise and worship service? Your dance? No, your word. Yeah, you got to know the word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your song in my heart. No, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the word, if you're going to think properly, you have got to wash with the word. Now, the problem with that is this. How do you wash with the word? I mean, do like I, I go get 400 Bibles, put them in a bathtub, jump in and I scrub all over with the word and I'm washing with the word. If you do that, would you please make a video of that and send it to me? Because here's your sign. I want to see that. that. That's not what I'm talking about. I, okay, be smart about it. We want to wash with the word. I'm going to give you three very simple ways, but they're not simple. Steps. Are you with me? I'm just trying to teach this morning. I got 11 pages of notes, almost done. How do we wash with the word? What is the, what is the, pro everybody wants a recipe. I'm getting ready to give you a recipe. Here it is. Three easy steps, but they're not easy. The first one is this. You need to hear the word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. That, that is why you've got you've to know this equation in your own spirit. And here it is. Here's a math equation for you. In your ear equals in your spirit. What you hear penetrates your head. 
and goes straight into your spirit. That's why 25 years later, you can hit just a note of Lionel Richie and I'll start singing, Hello? Is it me? Yeah. Or you can play a little Alabama. And I ain't even going to sing their lyrics because this ain't the right setting for those lyrics now. Why? Because, because it's not... See, I used to make the argument as a teenager, it's, oh, it's just a cool tune. The lyrics don't matter. Right. Whatever you hear goes right through your head straight into your spirit. That's why I'm concerned about what our young people listen to on a regular basis because I, 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 my, my kids happen to love uh, rap music. I, I used to love rap music when I could understand it. I don't understand it anymore. They talk way too fast. I allow my sons to listen to Christian rap. I'm not going to let them listen to the other kind of rap because if they gets in their spirit, then they will treat women poorly. Now, y'all get all critical, but let's talk about some country and western for a minute. Yeah, like my, my wife ran out one morning and took my dog, and I missed my dog, uh, you know. Um, Funny, but not good. It gets in your spirit. You need to hear the word. Well, then, then what that means is, is that one hour every week is not adequate or sufficient to override the other 167 hours of your week. That means that you've got to be self-feeders. Y'all missed that. We're waiting on you, Steve. No, 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 no. Feed yourself. Listen to your word. Get you a podcast. Get you something where you're hearing the word on a daily basis. Change the music you listen to so you hear the word. Let it be cool music, but listen to the word. You've got to get the word because it will wash the second part of this is a part we've missed. It's the second step in washing in the Word is that you need to speak the Word. See, I think we've forgotten that in, in the culture that the Bible was written in, and even to this day, Jews practiced a verbal tradition. In fact, young men that were studying to be priests had to learn significant portions of the Bible and be able to recite it, say it out loud. We, we've, we've forgotten this... And I think we've missed it. I, I just want to tell you, I've done, I've done a little research and I discovered something interesting. Uh, temptation was studied. And did you know that it has been proven that when you're, being, when you're being tempted, that if you do something out loud, even as simple as counting backwards, that what comes out of because you involve your mouth, it has the ability to grab the attention of your brain and stop you. It distracts you. So apparently, I don't know, I don't know where they got it, maybe out of James, when he said there's power in the tongue, life and death. And yet we, I, I don't hear anybody ever talking about speaking the word anymore. I seldom hear anybody talk about the need to learn scripture to the place where you can recite the word. Your mouth can help you change your thoughts. 
That's why in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua was, was instructed to never allow the book of the law to depart from his mouth. And then just after that, he was told, be strong and courageous. And we're going, how can you be strong and co- co- courageous? Well, your mouth is full of the word. And when you begin to recite the word over and over and over again, it causes strength and courage to rise up in you. You've got to learn the word. David knew that. Psalm chapter 119, verse 13 and 14. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. What does that mean? That means it requires us to actually memorize Scripture. I told you this kid's church stuff. Memorize Scripture that when we need it, we can recite it. Okay, Steve, I'll go home this week. And I'll start memorizing the book of John. No, that's not what I'm saying, man. Are you crazy? Why don't you just pick out four or five that are applicable to your situation? I just wish somebody in here would accept this challenge. Over the next six months, learn four or five passages of Scripture that deal with what you're going through. Learn them so well that every morning you can get up and quote that verse of Scripture out loud so that everybody in the house thinks you're crazy. Get the right ones. Like if you're dealing with sickness, don't learn verses about grace. How about by his stripes, I am healed. Learn what? If you're you're weak, why don't you learn some scripture about being strong? A mighty fortress is our God. Strong tower. My defense. Because when you learn those passages of Scripture and you're able to recite them, it starts something in your brain and you start thinking differently. So I I just think you need to learn some scripture. Everything that comes into our head doesn't have to come out of our mouth. That was free. But we better learn this very powerful truth. Whatever comes out of your mouth gets in your head. That's why it's important to recite scripture out loud. And then there's a third step, and it ties into speaking that I just want to share with you. This is something new to me. I hadn't really understood it this way. I get it now. I, I, I think not only do you need to hear the word and speak the word, you need to meditate on the word. Uh, the problem with meditation is that when we think about meditating on the word, there's this thing that happens, in our, at least in my head. I, I, I visualize, like, getting in these funky positions and going into, like, trance mode and all this kind of stuff because that's what society's taught us meditation is I mean like I'd have to go to the chiropractor like nine months after trying to get into one of those positions right so we just discounted meditation we've missed it let me see, let me see if I can help you real quick and then I, I promise I'm almost done the word meditate that is used in scripture when when Joshua was told to never let the word depart from his mouth I'm going to read that passage to you here in a second and meditate on the word daily that word the Hebrew the root Hebrew word for meditate means to chew now you can't chew on something unless you have it in your mouth first There's a, do you see the progression we talk first and then we're able to do we want to do first and then talk and what God is trying to teach us is if we would learn to recite scripture and chew on it See, I can learn to recite scripture. I've got some favorite ones like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But when I first learned that and I'm saying that out loud, it really doesn't mean anything. I mean, the devil is kicking my rear all day long and I just go, oh, 
no weapon formed against me she'll crush you but after about a week every time the devil comes against me and says I'm, I'm going to destroy you I'm killing you your life is falling apart and I recite back no weapons formed against me what happened I chewed on it long enough to understand that it had power in my situation some of you never get to that because you don't meditate long enough to even understand what you're saying y'all gotta forgive me I'm on cold medicine I ain't even gonna remember today <laughs> See, I, I think what the writer is trying to teach us is that we need to spend some time thinking on the word studying the word well that's what we got you for pastor no sorry I am not a mama bird that's about to chew some stuff up and spit it out in your mouth. You are grown, stinking adults. Feed yourself. Meditate. That's why Paul said to Timothy, we should all study to show ourselves approved. Some of you never study the word for yourself. What if I'm lying to you on Sunday? <laughs> study for yourself. Why? Because as you chew, as you chew, as you chew, it makes you strong. Let me, let me prove it to you, and then I'll stop, I promise. It's my fourth closing, and I'll be done. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I want you to listen carefully to what he says. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, recite it, recite it, recite it. Meditate on it day and night, and then watch what happens. There is a process here. I'm not just making this up. You speak it, you meditate on it, then listen to what he says. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Wow, that's like, that's mind-blowing. You mean if I speak his word and I meditate on his word, it causes me to fix my mind. And when I fix my mind, my behavior will be fixed. Wow, isn't that interesting? I think I've heard that before. There is a process here. And then he goes on and he says this. I love this last, last line. Then you will be prosperous and successful it ties in fact what it says to us listen I'm not making this stuff up what I'm saying to you is if you would learn to recite scripture and to meditate on scripture think the right thought think like Jesus when you do all that he's saying when you get all that right your ability to live successfully and prosper is directly linked to what's going on in here and whether his word is washing you and making you clean Psalm chapter 119 verse 15 and 16 I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways I delight in your decrees and maybe this is the portion of scripture this generation needs to memorize and recite over and over and over again and I will not neglect your word we neglect his word to our own destruction you want to change your mind think like Jesus kingdom service the end want to change your mind think about right things that'll change a whole lot right there you want to think right hear the word speak the word meditate on the word do not neglect his word and what happens you'll be prosperous and successful. Father, this morning, 
I pray for my folks. God, I've already declared over them, and, and they know this is true. We all know this is true. We forget it at times. But our minds are mean. Our thoughts are not like your thoughts. Our, our, our mind fights us. The enemy uses our own thought life, thought patterns to destroy us. If this was easy, we would have already fixed it. And so that's why this morning is so important for me. Father, I, I just pray that right now you would actually teach us how to think. There are some folks under the sound of my voice in this room and some on the internet that are watching right now that have never really stopped to try to think like Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, allow us to allow the mind of Christ to come into our Help us to think about your kingdom and how we can bring the kingdom to bear in our present situation. I pray that you'd help us to think about service. How we can help others. Don't let us be self-centered. Help us to be other aware. Father, I pray that you'd even help us to think about death, the end. I pray that we would live with the end in mind that the decisions we make now be wise decisions because we know there are always long-term ramifications. God, I pray that a new standard would rise up in this body. God, we don't want to go back to legalism, but I do want us to go back to righteousness. I pray that you would allow us to think about the right things. I pray that when we choose music, when we, when we choose television shows, when we choose friends, when we choose where we hang out, I pray that we would think on the right things. I pray that they would have to be excellent. I pray that they would have to be lovely. I pray that they would have to be pure. I pray that they would have to be holy. That would reframe most of our worlds right there, Father, if we would just learn to think about the right things. Help us, I pray. Let a new standard rise up in this congregation. Help us to think about true things. And then finally, Father, I pray over this congregation of believers that, Holy Spirit, you would allow us to become dangerous with your word. God, I ask you to arm us with your word. Help us to take the daily steps necessary. I pray that we would listen and hear your word. And it wouldn't just be on Sunday. I pray that every day of the week, we would be bathed with your word in some form, shape, or fashion. God, I pray that we would begin to memorize it. I pray over folks this morning that are sick. I pray that you would challenge them to learn four or five verses of Scripture this week that they can begin to memorize and recite over that sickness. And I pray that that sickness would have to line up with your word. God, I pray for those that are struggling financially that they would find four or five verses of Scripture that speak to the truth that you are our provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the, the righteous or his seed begging for bread. God, I pray we would learn those passages of Scripture and we would use them as what they are. They're, it's a sword. And we'd go to war. And I pray that we would meditate. Meditate on your word. Our mouths would be so full of your word that we would be able to chew on it and study it and understand it. God, I recognize that this is hard work and it's not glamorous and it's easier just to let the pastor do it. But God, they can't live on my word. They need to get a word for themselves. And I pray that this congregation would be marked by individuals who are strong in your word. Do not let us ever neglect your word. I pray these things 
I ask you for these things. I pray that it would reframe our world to line up with your word. In Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 